Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made? From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. So you've had fans first at Grantland, then at the Ringer. We've been in on you for uh, for years and years. I feel like I always say like we buy stock in people <laughs> and I have stock and I had stock in this person way back when. The stock on you has been climbing. I'm feeling really good about it. I feel good about the portfolio. And now you're in like 20 projects coming up. But um, I think one of the things I respect about you so much, the choices you make with the different projects like you look at your IMDb and I'm just like, oh, I like that one. That was good. Oh, I see why he did that. Like, but you, it seems like you put a lot of thought into your choices and your career. Or am I totally misreading it? Look, man. First of all, it's a, it's a, it's an honor to be here, man. And I'm 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 a huge fan of yours. And, and thank you. I appreciate I appreciate what you said and your support. And uh, look, I, you know, I, I think in the beginning, you know, I I think. There was no sort of master plan or rhyme or reason to, to any of it. You know, you're just, you're just, you, you, you know, clawing and scraping for whatever kind of work that you can get. And I, I, I was sort of uh, blessed with the great misfortune of having uh, an enormous giant beaten up nose and, and, and huge fricking flappy ears. So that kind of shielded me, I think, from, you know, the daytime soaps and, and the WB stuff, you know, where, where I think a lot of actors kind of go to sort of uh, cut their teeth. You know, I, I would walk in into those rooms and, casting directors will kind of look at me in, in, in horror because of, you know, just my appearance, you know, but, but, but I think, um, you know, this whole thing, th- this whole thing, I think for me, what, what I love about this is, um, you know, like athletics, it's, it's not, you, you know, it's, it's really not about arriving somewhere. You're lucky enough to be in something that you can keep growing, keep learning, keep getting better. And, and, and how do you do that? I, I think the way you do that is to sort of surround yourself with the, with the best people. And, so for me, I just my whole philosophy is what is available to me? What can I go and fight for to be among people that I really admire, I really look up to? Um, and, and, and that's sort of been the criteria. It hasn't been sort of a master plan of, okay, well, I need to kind of change my image. I, I, I read something, um, you know, something happens sort of inside me. If I get a little bit afraid, a little bit like, holy, holy crap, that's something I want to run to. Hmm. Um, but then mostly it's, it's, it's really you know, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's filmmaker driven. You know, I, I, I really believe that, you know, doing, you know, one, one scene there in, 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 in Wind River or a movie like Sicario, those, those are filmmakers. I just really, really respect and like Benicio del Toro. I mean, it's, it's that simple. It's like, I want to be around those guys just to watch and just to be there. And, um, that is much more attractive to me and always has been than sort of taking a, a, a kind of bigger role with, with, with different kind of auspices, you know, you, you know, it's, it, it's really just who, who am I around? Who can I roll with? What team can I be a part of that day? One thing about you is you could be a good guy or a bad guy, and you can be in a thing where I'm not sure what side you're on as I'm watching it, which I think The Walking Dead was like the first time where as that guy kind of lost his way a little bit and it was so convincing and it was like, whoa, what's what's going on? And, and then the, they kill you off. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, it, and it was kind of, that was the, 
and in a weird way, kind of the most important moment for that show because they showed that anybody could go at any time. But at the same time, I felt like it was a huge loss for the show. You must have known you were getting knocked out, you know, when you took the role, but I was still stunned by it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, from the beginning, you know, you, you you get that source material. And I remember it was sort of one trip to the toilet. I opened up that comic book. And by the end, you know, by the, by the time I was flushing the toilet, that character was gone. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, wow, this is what I signed up for. But no, I mean, I, I knew his time on the show was not long. And at that time, honestly, that writing, again, was so good. And it was Frank Darabont, you know, Shawshank. Yeah. I'm like, shit, man, I'll, I'll, I'll jump into that. You, you know, I would I would have, you know, knocked down walls to get get onto that show. Um, but honestly, when we first talked about it, it was a conversation. I originally auditioned for Rick, you know, the, the, the main character. And, you know, Frank was really, you know, having some trouble on, on where to place me because he kind of saw me. And, and I told him, you know, I, I can really make this easy on you, man. I'm, I'm all about that guy, Shane. You know, I, I, I really resonate with him. And I think for the exact reason you said, I, I, I think if you get to play a character where there's like buoys along the water, of, of, of things that you know you have to hit. And those things sort of seem like impossible to get to. And it's kind of the story and the acting and the relationships that will get you there. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, we meet and and he's talking with his best friend. They're having a couple burgers, you know, sharing a pile of ketchup with French fries. He's giving him advice on his relationship with his wife. And I know in the course of some small period of time on television, you know, that guy's got to have to sleep with his wife, fall in love with his wife go mad, try to kill him. You know, it's, 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 it was such a far kind of journey to, to, to take and, and also be kind of the first person on that show to realize that there's this new world that they're living in. Um, you know, I, that show, I, I, I'm, I'm so enormously grateful to that show for a whole host of reasons. I think more, you know, more than anything else, just the relationships I made and the friendships I made with those people. But, you know, getting killed off that show, I'm also, you know, enormously grateful for and, 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 and kind of being able to have it bookended and had a real beginning, middle and end. It's a, it's a huge privilege, which at the time, man, you know, that was my first big gig. That's the thing that kind of took off. And at the height, you know, of its, of its kind of appeal and it's, it's, it, it, it sort of entering the zeitgeist, they're like, man, you got to go. And yeah, that was, that was, that was crushing. And I, 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 I thought, you know, that was going to sort of be my first and my last, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important, I think, in, in any business where you're following your dreams. You know, it's, uh, you, can't, you can't think in those terms. And just, just when, when, when one thing sort of seems like a wall, you realize it's actually a door and you just got to keep kind of slamming forward, you know? I would say it was the best thing that happened to you that you got killed off. 100%. Then you got to do a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, 100%. that show's still on. You could be doing <laughs> like season 10 if you had been the other guy. You're still going, living in Atlanta. Where are they man, filming in Atlanta, right? Yeah, man. And look, you, you know, bless those people. I love those people. But yeah, man, I'd, I'd much rather be able to go visit and, and, and have sort of the relationships that I've had and, 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 you know, the experiences that I've had. And there, there's no question that was, that was, uh, that was probably, probably the event, like the best sort of career thing that ever happened. Did you know that that show was going to blow up like that? Cause yeah, I mean, man, it was pretty it. unusual how, how much of a monster it became. Nobody, ble- I mean, look, the, you, you can sort of figure that out by the fact that first season got a pickup of six episodes. That is not like a, that's not a huge, you know, vote of confidence. And you got to remember at that point, you know, AMC was the network of Mad Men and Breaking Bad. I mean, it was yep. like premier cable. And you had this guy, Frank Darabont, who's such a genius, but it was a zombie show. And we were like, 
I mean, we would go to those AMC parties and those people would look at us like we were like their disgusting, like weird cousin. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> these fucking guys think they're making a zombie show on our pristine. Net. You know, it was, yeah. we so did not fit in with that culture. Um, and, 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 you know, honestly, man, I, I, don't, I don't know about you. I, I love being part of something that is that 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 is enormously humble and that that show was so humble in the beginning there weren't trailers there weren't craft services it was just these seven people we were all in atlanta together we were stuck in the woods getting eaten by the the ticks and the chiggers and 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 uh but we all really believed in the writing we believed in it together and um so i knew that we were on to something special while we were making it but no one in the like no one saw what was coming the way it was and and for that many people to watch and 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 sort of the how it took off and i think it really just you know frank was on to something that it touches on something that i really think now going through the pandemic man this was inside all of us like what do we do you know, with the veneer of, of, and the comfort of everyday life when that's stripped away. Like, I, I think we all ask ourselves those questions and that show just kind of took it a step forward and, and try to approach it in a, in a, in a very realistic way. And, and, and I think when you look at the show now and how it's become, you know, this massive thing, you've got like walking, you know, all these offshoot shows and talk shows about it. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, I'm enormously happy for, you know, the people that are involved and it's, 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 it's great, but, it's so far from what that kernel, the, it started in just this enormously, you know, humble and, and, and with no expectations whatsoever, just a beautiful script and some committed folks to make it. And like the best crew on earth down in Georgia. Yeah, you're right. The pandemic does give that show a different kind of wrinkle. I hadn't thought of that because I watched it obviously when it was happening. Yeah, back um, in the day. Yeah, I think so, man. I think so. And I think there's this thing in all of us. I mean, I think within, you know, maybe not so much in 2010 when the show first came out, but you know, this, not just with like prepping, but, you know, there's, you know, I feel like there's so many people now who, you know, are training more with weapons, they're hunting, they're, they're, they're putting together, you know, the, 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 this is this like sustainable life at their home. And like, we have all been forced to think about those things. And, you know, what would this do if this was just a few steps worse than what it is now? We all started coming after each other and, you know, really tragically and sadly, like these are, these are thing, things that I think that a lot of people who never in their wildest imagination would ever have to sort of think about. I mean, I, I think it's crossed all our minds now. So you worked with some famous people. <laughs> First of all, I think Snitch is good. Thanks, man. I don't, I just feel like there was a lot of action movies from, I don't know, 08 to 2013 and Snitch gets a little lost, but I think it's a total rewatchable, but you're with The Rock and that, you, you work with Leo and you work with Affleck. You know, really I, in like a three-year span, who I think are probably three of our most seven famous actors. But what'd you notice about them just as those three in a row? You know, if, if you, you know, I'll say with, uh, you know, what I found with the real, you know, like the real heavyweight chance, you know, like the real greats. You know, I throw Emily Blunt in there. I throw Brad Pitt in there. You mm. know, only Leo, you know, Dwayne. You know, the thing that, the, the quality that all of them have without a doubt is they make you, they, they completely are able to, while you're working with them, sort of allow you to divorce yourself from this idea of that they are, they are up on any sort of pedestal. I mean, Emily Blunt, I remember when I showed up for Sicario, she made me feel like she was waiting for me to get there the whole time. I mean, like, holy shit, I love doing Wolf of Wall Street. Like, she just... I, and I really believe it about the great filmmakers too. Scorsese does it, Villeneuve does it, Taylor Sheridan does it. I think, I think what all these guys do is that, you know, they are, they care so much. There's so much passion, but they also are so confident 
that, that really they understand that you have been brought here for a reason. And the only thing that is in all of our collective self-interest in making something special is to let you really fly, not just mm. fly within the parameters that I'm putting up or to trap you. I just think that you know, mediocrity is the stuff of constricting folks. And it doesn't matter what you do for a living, but when someone tells you how to do your job, there's no way you're going to find your passion with that job. Like you are there for a reason and you need to shine. You need to fly. You need to walk through walls. And I think all of these folks, everybody who you named and all the greats that I've gotten to work with really have, they, they, now they approach it in completely different ways. And everybody obviously has their own style, but that's what I found is kind of uniform among the real greats. And it's really you know, on the shows that I get to lead on, you know, the show I'm doing now or The Punisher, I, I, you know, I really try to kind of emulate that in my own little, in my own little world. I really want people not to just feel welcome and safe, but hey, dude, you're here for a reason. Like, fly, man, like go for it. Like, you know, take risks, you know, be bold, you know, and, and uh, I, I think that, I think that that really, you know, and how I'm trying to raise my kids and just in life in general, I think that stuff really applies. I, I'm not a big believer on people sort of impinging their, their, their will on others. I, I think we all need to kind of explode and get the shit out of us. Well, it's funny you hit two different demos, right? Cause you have the walking dead punisher, that whole, those fans, the, they're all crazy. They're all on their side, but then you, you also have the film nerds too, right? Because you've been you made some good choices. You've had some smaller parts and some really good stuff that I think has had some, some legs too. So you have all those people. And then as you head into this next stage of your career, you have some big things like this, the, the Sopranos prequel. I almost can't wrap my head around it. I can't tell if this is going to be like the biggest deal in the world. Is right. this going to be, is this just going to be for people like over 30 who grew up with the show cared about it? Is this going to be able to pull in a new thing? But like, what made you want to do it? I mean, obviously you love the show, but what, what were yeah, the other draws? I think, I think, you, you know, for that, uh, you know, coming out of, of, of sort of school and playing sports, uh, you, you know, when I was first kind of deciding to be an actor and, and studying it and, and sort of sort of willingly diving into this world that I knew I would I would be taking a ton of rejection and and, and I knew it was gonna be a real hard climb. You know, that was in the the kind of the, the the apex of Sopranos. You know, it was just it was it was everything. And I just remember, you know, somebody telling me, you know, if you really wanna try to make a life out of this, the the more specific and narrow you can kind of focus your goals. So instead of just saying, hey, I want to be an actor. Hey, I want to be in movies. Hey, I want to be in TV shows. It's much more reachable when you say, I want to be on that show. I want to act with this person. I like mm. it. And it's, you know, I, it, it's the same in anything. You know, when you know exactly what you're headed for, it's a lot easier to hit it. And I remember my goal, just my, my overall goal of anything else was I wanted to be an extra on The Sopranos. Like I just, I wanted to get on that set. I wanted to be able to walk in front of the camera in that world because I so believed in that world. And I never, you know, I, I never got that. You know, I never got an opportunity to audition for it or anything. And I would show up on the set of Sopranos, you know, back when they were shooting it just to try to get close, try to see something. I was such an enormous fan. And so when this thing came around, it was just kind of, you know, in that way, it was just a no brainer. Um, what that project ultimately became for me is, you know, Mikey Gandolfini, you know, James's son, you know, Jim Gandolfini, you know, is, is, is one of my, you know, favorite actors of all time. 
and now sort of being involved in the New York film scene, you know, being, being, being very close with the, both the stunt world in New York and also with the Teamsters in New York. Um, Jim Gandolfini is, he's beloved. And, and some of the people that I've become enormously close with, especially in the Teamsters, loved him. Now I love, and, and they're a big part of my life. And, 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 and I've really tried to emulate the way that I carry myself on set in the ways that I had heard from him. Yeah. And Michael Gandolfini. And, you know, here's this young man who was really, you know, like growing up with your dad as Jim Gandolfini in New York with the Sopranos. It's just, you know, such, such an unbelievable thing. And, you know, when he lost his father, he was really on this, you know, beautiful kind of courageous mission to try to get to know his dad better. He was kind of traveling the country, getting to know people that worked with him, that loved him, that he loved. And, and he was just sort of trying to dig into figuring out exactly who his dad was. And then this opportunity came about. And, you know, he's an unbelievably beautiful young man. He's humble. He's, he's, he's curious. He's strong. Um, but this was really hard for him, as you can imagine, in a ton of ways. He's playing the role, you know, that his, that, that, that his father played. He's keeping that role in the Gandolfini family. So when I met him and I kind of understood what this mission was for him, and then he looked at me as, as this kind of father figure to play his dad, I was like, dude, I'm all fucking in on this. Like, I'm, 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 I'm going to stand in front of you, behind you, by your side. And, uh, you know, that's really what the project was for me, just watching him go through it and, and, and kind of being there for, for, for him. And um, I'm enormously proud of him. And I, and I love that kid. And now you're walking into another show that has the most devoted, crazy fan base, like for... You know, it's a, even though Walking Dead and Sopranos are two totally different totally. shows, but I totally. think the expectations that come with David Chase and the franchise itself, I think there's some people that are excited about it, but are both going to be really mad if this gets fucked up. Man, I'm not, I'm, I, that's nothing I'm not used to, man. I mean, yeah. the, the audience is like, you know, and then The Punisher, it's, you, you know, the thing is, is like these, those are not shoes that anyone could fill. You can't fill the shoes of The Sopranos, the TV series. Look, I think it was very smart that David Chase set this as a prequel. It's completely yeah. different. Yes, it's the same world, but it is in no way trying to kind of like compete with it, be an addendum to it. It's a totally different thing. You know, to speak to the man's genius, I will say you can, when you read the script of the prequel and when you watch the movie, you will see that when he was writing The Sopranos and when he was making that show, that he had this Shakespearean understanding of each of these characters and their histories were absolutely formulated and, 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 and thought out. You will see things in this that you can see. He knew, the, he knew exactly who these people were back then, which is kind of staggering. But as far as the different audiences, you know, I just say, you, you know, with like the Punisher audience and the Walking Dead audience, Sopranos, and then you talk about the, the sort of more kind of esoteric or the more avant-garde things I've been a part of. You know, I, I think that really speaks to, you know, in this, in this age where everybody is so, you, you know, ripped apart and we're only hearing kind of arguments from the, the polar opposites and everybody has to belong to a tribe and be on a different team. I, I really think that, that, that we're a lot more alike than anybody wants to give people credit for. And I just think those people just don't have the microphone right now. And I think that the, the, the walking, you know, the, the, the work that you do on the walking dead and the work that you do, you know, one of these smaller kind of independent, you know, film festival films, it's, it's, it's the same stuff and it's, and, and they actually appeal to the same people. And, and I think everybody is a lot smarter than people, people who think differently than you are just as intelligent as you. They're just as smart as you. They care just as much and they want their entertainment the same way. People I think are hungry for nuance. 
you know, they're hungry for the richness of character and they're hungry to be surprised. They're hungry to, for, for, for real tragedy and to be let down. And, and I think that this idea that there's sort of like these two different audiences, I, 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 I think that that's, I, I certainly would never approach at least my work any differently, no matter what project it, it, it's all in, no matter what it is. Why do you think he chose to do it the way he did it instead of trying to do it as a show that could last for like 30 episodes? What do you think his motivation was? I think his motivation was, you know, to say, I I, I think you'll understand it a lot more after you see the movie, but I think that, you you know, there is, I I don't, I I definitely don't want to give anything away, but I think that. Yeah, don't, don't, don't give anything away. I won't, I won't. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll come to my house and put one in my ear. So it makes more sense as a movie, basically. I think, yeah, I think that's right, man. And I think it really kind of focuses on something that will, that, that is very pertinent right now. And in Mm -hmm. a weird way, I think once you see the movie, you'll see that, that the movie, even though set, you know, many, many years ago and many, many years before the series, it's setting something in motion that has real pertinence in, in 2021. So you did that. That's going to be a big deal. Then you do an indie movie called small engine repair. I was impressed with, as somebody who comes from Boston, I was Impressed with your accent. I thought oh, you did wait. a really good job. Yeah. Thank Listen, you, man. That accent gets mangled by a lot of good actors. I thought uh, I thought you did a good job. I appreciate that, man. You know, um, you know the, the, the writer and director of that movie, uh, John Plano, is from, from New Hampshire. And it's very specific, I guess, to, to that little that little uh, nook of New Hampshire, which is always a safe thing to say because, you know, you, you can't say, hey, it's a Boston accent because then you got a whole bunch of people who are saying you're fucking it up. But well, like, it's like there's... The Rhode Island's the worst. That's like yeah. the Boston accent on steroids. And New Hampshire is almost like it's a twinge of the Boston accent. That's right. I could never tell it. Some people could. I could never really tell it apart from the Boston, but there's some people who are passionate about, yeah, oh no, Maine has its own. New Hampshire's got, like they do the whole thing with it. Yeah, Maine is crazy, man. I mean, Maine, but I, I will say just with the accents on that, you know, there's a guy named Tim Monick who just, you know, he's, he's who uh, DiCaprio uses and Matt Damon uses. And, 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 you know, um, you know, he's sort of like the legend of all times in, in, in sort of dialect coaches. And, you know, I, I, I reached out to, I worked with him on Wolf of Wall Street and, you know, he came on to this movie and, you know, it was such a huge thing. You know, he, he worked with all of us on it and then basically did it for free because he knew, I mean, we had no money and we did, he just loved the script and kind of loved the spirit that it started as a piece of theater. And like that guy just deserves all the, all the pride. He's, he's, he's like a true legend. And and I think that kind of, I mean, not to be a a cheese dick about it, but I mean, I I think that that's kind of like the great thing about movies in general and kind of like what we do is, you know, you see like, you know, our dumb faces on the screen, but it's like, there's such a, it's like the artistry and the craft and the, and the, and the grit and determination of so many make these things. And it's just, you're such a small part of it, but like, you know, if those accents are good, like that's not us, (laughs) you know I mean? That's Tim Monick just drilling us and being like, look, motherfucker, if I'm putting my name on it, like you better come correct. And, 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 uh, so I'm, 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 uh, he, he deserves, he deserves all credit for that. But you know, that movie did start out as a play and, and as, as, as humble, a beginning as possible. You know, it was the 10 o'clock show in this tiny 40 seat theater in like this terrible area in, in, in LA. And you were in the play, right? I was, man. I was, uh, you know, I, I had gotten into some trouble in 2009 and I, I, I couldn't leave the city of Los Angeles. It was right after season one of the walking dead and I had to be in depositions. And a friend of mine called me up and said, Hey man, Uh, I need you to come do this play reading with me. And I was like, look, dude, I'm like trying to get my life together. You you know, the last thing I'm doing is going to play play reading. 
And uh, I ended up just, you know, it was a long day. I ended up just just going. That's not something I was doing very often. And I, I, I heard that play out loud. And I just said, this guy, this guy's on to something. He's the best American playwright, I, in my opinion, since David Mamet. I think he's just yeah. it's unbelievable. And since then, you know, he wrote Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal. He's writing the new Todd Phillips movie, you know, uh, uh, based on Hulk Hogan. You know, um, he's one of the co-writers of Joker. I mean, the guy's like this phenomenal talent now since that play. But we put this little play on again in this little 40 seat theater. And, you know, a lot of my buddies in L.A. are, are, are cops and, uh, you know, pro fighters. And, you know, we were bringing these folks to the theater that, that just, ne- you know, they, it was a lot of them. They had never been to a play before. And you had them with this super progressive kind of liberal theater audience all in the same room. And it just people went crazy. Like they, they, they just loved this show. And the show kept building and building and building and eventually went to New York and, I think what we had was something that, you know, really undeniable. And, you know, we always had this idea of, of kind of turning it into a, a, a movie when we could. And, you know, we got this little window of time and we did it. And, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I could tell. I mean, how many people are even in the movie? It really yeah, I mean, does feel like a play. There's like, what, eight actors? Yeah, I mean, it's very small. But, you, you, you know, but, but also, it's, you know, what's really cool. I mean, this is our little thing. I don't know how much, how cool anybody else will think it, but every one of our kids makes a little appearance in the play. My dogs are in, I mean, are in the movie, my dogs are in it. Everybody who's ever played those roles on stage are background and like kind of make their way to cool. small parts. And, you know, it was a real kind of labor of love, you, you know, of this kind of community of now, you know, we, we made, we did that play over 10 years ago, but there was this whole circle of friends that kind of came out of it that all very much stick together. And we all kind of did this you know, collectively, which, which again, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just really proud of. So you have that, you have the Sopranos thing coming. We own this city. That's what I'm that. doing right now. Yeah. That's yeah, the, mini uh, series that's coming. And then you're doing American gigolo, which was always one of the great <laughs> ideas for a movie that absolutely should have been a TV show at some point. And it took like 40 plus years, but now that's happening. Yeah, we did the uh, pilot of that last year, and then we'll go into production of it right right when I'm done with this HBO show. And is that then, set in L.A.? That is set in L.A. It has to be. Yeah, it's very much an L.A. show, but I think it's going to be, you know, it's it's from the showrunner of Ray Donovan. It's, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I think if people are expecting, it, it, I, I, let's just put it this way, I think it's going to be a lot, you know, as you can see, because I'm playing the role, you know, it's, it's a much kind of darker and maybe uglier version, but, but, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm scared of it. So it's I'm, a grittier, it's a grittier American gigolo. I think so. <laughs> Ray Donovan crossed with American gigolo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Can I ask why you've never made, why haven't you starred in a sports movie? What's well, going you know, on yeah. there? So we have this movie, King Richard, that's coming out, just playing a Telluride, which is about Serena. Oh, I heard that's it's unbelievable. It's great, man. I'm I'm so proud of it. This 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 director, Ronaldo Marcus Green, he's actually he came with me to do this HBO series I'm doing now. Man, I I I think this movie is just kind of it's it it's so beautifully done and um every aspect of it was right. We got the, I really feel like we got the tennis right. Um I, I I'm telling you right now, Will Smith's gonna Will, Will Smith is gonna just blow everybody away in this in this role but 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 really everybody i think the work is so beautiful across the board and um that's very much a sports movie but look you know playing baseball in college i, I played football as a boxer you know we're it's just it's it's really got to be right i mean that i've had these kind of opportunities to, to do it but but you know to me it's 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 just like you know when i'm doing the the, the punisher 
you know, they've got to get the guns right. Like they got to yeah. get the training right. You know, when we're doing King Rich, you got to get the tennis right. You know, they, you, you, you really need, but if you go into something like that, you've got to make sure you're putting yourself into a situation where there's going to be enough time, energy, and money spent on really getting those aspects of it right. Because I have no interest in doing a baseball movie that will, if you're not going to get the baseball right. And, and, and I know I can kind of cover my end on that, but we got to do that across the board. So, you know, I, I, uh, I, I would love to do it. It's just got to be the right one. What was your baseball position? Catcher. Yeah, the ba- there hasn't been a really good baseball movie in a while. In a long time. We need one, man. And, and Every, you know, The boxing happens over and over again. There's only been a couple MMA movies. I thought I thought the one with uh, Tom Hardy was really Warrior? Good. Yeah, yeah Warrior was Fire. excellent. Incredible. And Gavin also made Miracle, you know? Yep. So like, he, he, he really gets the sport. He was an athlete. He played football at Penn. He's a, he's a super close friend. Don't of you mine. feel like we're, we're kind of graduating past sports movies? Cause I noticed this with the way, with the uh, way back, which I really liked mm-hmm. that Affleck movie Yeah, where it was like basketball, but it, it was like, it was a, it was a movie about that character and basketball's in it, but not in the way like 40 years ago, the team wins in the last scene and he's end. fine. Oh. Totally. It was more like this character study. And I, I almost feel like that's where this shit's going now. I agree, man. And that's Gavin, by the way, too. He made that yep. movie as well. I, I think, you know, I think that's right. I think just people are really getting tired of predictability. I think kind of like the biopic movie. Like yeah. that, it's just like not working anymore. I, I, I think uh, predictability, there's just so much content to choose from. And people's- well, Ford versus Ferrari flipped it a little bit with how that ended. I really liked that movie, by the way. I thought that was excellent. Yeah. You're in that yeah, team. Yeah, like Leon James Eagle, man. Like, yeah. you, you, like you, you, get, you get these filmmakers, like he's just like, that guy cannot do it wrong. He's, he's, he's a genius. And, and he did it analog. You know, there's no green screen in that movie. He did it kind of for real. But, you know, there was some talk baseball wise about doing a- uh, there's a Bob Ross. There, they, they, I mean, there, there's, there've been some talk. There was like a Yogi Berra thing floating around that, that I was considering. It's just, you know, it's, it, it's tough. I think with the boxing, you know, my only beef with the boxing thing, and I do get, I do get offers all the time for boxing. Too, too many of them. Too many. And, and by the way, man, a sport that's 90%, you, you know, uh, black and Hispanic, you know, it's like, we can't do another movie about a white fighter. It's like, there are no white fighters. anymore. I mean, there's so few of us. It's like MMA maybe, but it's, it's just like enough's enough with that. You know, if I was your manager. Yeah. Talk to me, man. I would, I would try to go find, I feel like it could be an MMA. Mm-hmm. You used to be, you're like a five-time champ. Okay. You Now you're older. Yep. You should probably hang it up. Yep. It's a yep. young man's game now. That's right. But there's a lot of money at stake. Somebody's calling you out. I mean, like all the basic premises of it. And it's like, you kind of probably shouldn't take this fight, but you have to. And there's some reasons for it. And we just dive deep into like you basically getting roped into this fight you probably shouldn't take. Because I always notice that with MMA. It's always three fights too many for all these guys. Yeah, And yet for some reason, they can't pull away from it. And, 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 and of course we know the reason, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's, you know I mean? We, we, we can all put ourselves, I mean, nobody, nobody's ready to hang up the gloves in, in, in anything that we do. It's just that one, you know, the, the sort of the consequences and the circumstances of it are much more in your face and have much more kind of palatable and immediate, you know, impact on you. But I, I feel like everybody goes through that and, and, and nobody really wants to. And, and that's the kind of thing for me in doing this, you know, what I love and I'm excited about with this is, you know, I really want to be doing this the rest of my life. And, and I, I, I don't care in what capacity, I don't care if I'm on stage in DC, I don't care if I'm doing dinner theater. I, I and when I say that, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not bullshitting. Like I, I, I really just, I love doing this. And if I get, if I can keep doing this, 
you know, all the way through, uh, that's, that's really the dream. And, and, um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I got Listen, gotta... that's all, that's all noble and great, but you have a sports movie window here. How old are you now? What's it? I'm, I'm, I'm 43. Yeah, you got like five years left, and then you're going to be like Redford in the Natural, where they're going to be shooting you with shadows and like shoot shots to hide how old you are. You can't. You got. You have your windows now. Let's go. I think the baseball. I think the baseball movie is the answer. Like we just need. Like I love that sport. We need a good baseball movie. It's just. It's like what is what is the story? What if what if American Gigolo? What if he was a semi-pro baseball player too? You're you're gonna see when that show comes up. I did squeeze. I fought like hell, man. I did. I got this whole basketball component in there because I'll I'll be honest with you, man. I like to pride myself. I I'm I'm a pretty well-rounded. I I play a lot of sports. My little brother played basketball. Princeton. I played college. We have a lot of different at like from different sports, but uh, I did get a bunch of really good basketball scenes into that show where we're actually playing, actually see the game going. And uh, so I'm I'm hoping that that kind of basketball metaphor will kind of, you know, cut all the way through the series. You know, that's what Sandler did with grownups. He just basically, it was an excuse for him to just kick everybody else's ass in in a playground game. All his friends that couldn't play. Yeah. There's some frustrated baseball athlete actors because John Hamm, who I know, um, he's yep. a good baseball player and it was always like we did a million dollar arm and, yep. and he didn't really get to play that much baseball in it but there, I think there's these guys who is like if it was ever the right baseball movie I think there would be a bunch they of people jump. who could pop on but the problem with that too Bill, like you can't hi- the, you cannot hide bad baseball in a movie like no. the, you see somebody who can't throw a ball how about it, Field of it, Dreams the dad at the end of Field of Dreams it, can't have the Costner's like great, you know, like and Costner ate that shit up. He was like doing baseball movie after baseball. And I was like, man, that's what I want to do. I could do that. And you know, I was supposed to be in 42. I've been I I've oh. been director of 42. And I basically told him, I was like, look, man, and you know, I was all I, it was probably a stupid cocky thing to say, but I was like, I'm definitely the best baseball player who's auditioning for this for this movie. <laughs> like I like if you don't give me this part, you're basically saying I'm the shittiest actor in Hollywood. Because there's no way someone can play baseball better than me. And sure enough, I got the part. We were doing our but then I ended up I had to leave that movie because I I can't remember whether it was Fury, but I just got something else came through that I had already uh. seen. And uh but like, you know, I, I just think there's it's so hard to to hide a bad arm. And, it, and it, what is shocking is how many people cannot throw. Like that always shocks me that like, how did you get through life not learning how to throw a ball? Like I just, it's like unbelievable. And there's a lot of actors who can't, and you can teach somebody how to throw a punch, but if you didn't grow up throwing a ball that you just, it looks terrible and it will never work. Yeah. I remember our guy, Tom Cruise, who is really good at, as an athlete and a lot of different things. Great runner. Big runner, yep. Mastered yep. billiards, did all these things, but then he had to throw a baseball in War of the Worlds, and it was like, wow, we should have CGI'd this. What's going what on? What happened? Some people, they just never ended up doing it, you know? Just can't do it. What's your favorite baseball movie? I mean, it, it's probably The Natural still. Yeah. But I have, like, I love Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. Yeah. I love Hardball. Um, I, I love all baseball movies. I really do. What about you? I, well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, like, obviously the natural as well, but I kind of feel like as baseball goes, like quality of baseball in a movie, I really got to put major league up there at the top. Like, mm. I really think that like the bit, you know, there was no one in that movie. Even people had like, I, I don't, I, I forget the actor's name, but like the pitcher was putting like snot and stuff on the ball. Like the, like the old Eddie like, Harris. 
Yeah, dude. Like he, like the way that he, like the, even though his throw, like I, like I still believe that that guy was a pitcher. Like he had a weird kind of Corbin Burnson, like the way he fielded the balls. Like it, I, I just bought that. Like everybody's baseball was on point, and 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 Sheen was like, I mean, his pitching was was completely on point. You know, there yeah, was, he looked like a like a reliever now who would come in and throw ninety eight. You, you know what's a really good baseball movie that unfortunately doesn't have enough baseball in it was for love of the game. Great. It gets sunk by all this rom-com stuff, but the actual baseball and it's really good. I think, think Costner's believable too. Costner's great, man. I mean, I think Costner's great. I mean, he's great in everything that he does, but I just, you know, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. It's also, I think you've got like the, the, the majority of actors now that are doing, you know, movies and TV are from Australia and from England. And it's just, it's not a, it's right. not something that they yeah, do. Get them out of here. Yeah. Listen, this is one of my all-time passions. Is anyone, any column I've ever written about sports movie, any podcast we've ever done about a movie, the authenticity thing, it drives me nuts. Like the fact that Jimmy Chitwood's jump shot looked like an awesome jump shot and was totally believable that this guy was like, you know, the guy. Beautiful. He, he had to have a great jump shot. But yeah, they'll they'll cheat with it. What about white men can't jump? Tell me your basketball. What like how do you how do you rate the basketball and white men can't jump? So Woody's fantastic. Fantastic. You could tell Woody played. I played with him a bunch back in the day. He plays just like that. And he's like, he is all grit. He he is exactly who you would think he is on the court. Like that's how we became friends. But he actually plays the game. And what about Wesley? Really rough. We did a we did a rewatchables pod about it, and it was clear the super high dribble. I to me, it's like it really hurts the movie. And and I'm a little more down on it than others. And I really like that movie, but I just can't yeah. believe. See, I think he's actually a good athlete. Like he's believable in major league. He's believable in the other ones, but it was clear that he hadn't played that much basketball. And then you read up the research on it and he didn't, he didn't play basketball. So they yeah, kind, he kind like of figured it out. Dancing and martial arts and stuff like that. Like, just like what you said, you know, great athlete, but then there's certain things with those. You just, you're better off. And he, and look, he's great in that part. And he's a phenomenal. He's great. He's great. He's great in that part. And he understands. Here's the thing that I'll give, give him on that as well. Whereas I agree with you a little bit on the, on the, the basketball quality, his shit talking is, is the highest level. I mean, it's, it's like, it's perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's some good ones like in above the rim. The guy Leon comes in, who's the, who's the guy who's practicing by himself. Yeah. But then he comes in the real game and he's just money from 17 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, that guy's clearly played. Like you can see it. And then they used an actual Georgetown player as the lead. So I always appreciate when they do that. But yeah, sometimes they'll they'll cut corners with this stuff. And yeah. you know, bad news bears breaking training too, which I, I still stand by. The dad, right. William Devane. And he's, yeah, hitting, yeah, yeah. he's hitting the grounders for the kids. It's like, oh, oh this guy yeah. played. He's like yep. banging them around. So, you yeah, know, it comes and, and goes. And I'll say in, 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 in King Richard, you'll see, you know, I, it, we actually got really lucky with, because we shot, we shut down, you know, I did about, I'd never played tennis before. And that was my thing. Like, how am I got, you know, I played this sort of famous uh, uh, tennis coach, Rick Macy, and they happened to have this kind of tennis academy here in my town. And so I was there six hours a day with three different coaches just playing nonstop. Now I, I love the game. It's something I never played before. But then with the pandemic, we got six months of shutdown where I just kept training every day. And it wasn't even training to play, but training on how to coach and just, just how to speak to them, but also just 
how many balls you hold with this hand, how to feed, how to feed lobs, how to make them run, you know, how to get their feet going, what kind of coaching you do. And uh, they really, you know, one of the producers of that movie was a tennis player. And I think you're going to be really, really pleased with the tennis in that movie um, with both how much work the girls did and how much sort of like the way that they were able to manipulate and use stunt doubles in that. Mm. Um, it just, it's like the tennis is, the tennis is, is top notch. Well, that's the thing with sports movies now is we have the technology. That's right. That nobody should ever not look believable in a sports movie. Anymore. Dude, if it's, if it goes bad now, like, what are you doing? You yeah. Know, you, like, they can like, basically make anything happen. Well, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for all this stuff. I, I think <laughs> the next couple of years, that's why I wanted to get you now, because I think you're going to like go up a level oh, and then you'll like be too cool for the podcast. So never, I had to get never, you, no I had to get you at when American gigolo and there's the semi-pro baseball spinoff of American gigolo and you're on two shows at the same time. Uh, congrats on everything, though. This is uh, great. I really look forward to seeing the uh, Sopranos movie, too. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me, brother. I really do. 